air travel and venous thrombosis. Is there a risk? You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Gary Cohn, and my guest today will be Dr. Suzanne Kanahita, who is Associate Professor of Epidemiology at the Leiden University Medical Center in Leiden, the Netherlands. Thank you for being with us today, Dr. Kanahita. We appreciate your time, and we're looking forward to talking to you about air travel and the connection, if any, with the venous thrombosis. Perhaps before we get started with that, maybe you could tell us a little bit about your background and, and how you got interested in this line of investigation. I've been working into the field of uh, venous thrombosis for a couple of years and interested in etiology uh, especially. And the reason why we started looking into uh, the role of air travel was really because of something that happened in the UK in the year of 2000. I'm not sure if you were aware of the things that happened at the time. But there was a little a young lady who traveled from Australia back to the UK, and she died from pulmonary embolism when she arrived at Heathrow. And that uh, led to enormous attention in the media and in newspapers, and uh, everyone's talking about this. And there were even questions being asked in the House of Commons. And all that attention really led to raising of money for for the studies, and that was uh, how the sort of the right project was formed, and it, it was an international cooperation between several centers in the UK and with us. I see. So you're part of a larger group of uh, international investigators. Did each of the component investigators, did they each have a, a piece of that? In, in other words, did you have a specific question you were charged with looking at? No, I was sort of more coordinating several aspects of the project, and we did mainly epidemiological studies in different forms, and we also looked looked at the mechanism, so we also did more pathophysiological studies. Well, actually, we're still doing them, so it's still running. Before 2000, obviously, a lot of people have been traveling a lot of miles, and we were kind of never really aware of any possible connection with deep venous thrombosis. Had there been any research done before then? Were you aware of any, or are you aware of any before 2000? No, that's right. That's an interesting point. There hasn't been any research before that, and there were the the occasional case reports, obviously. People, even medical doctors, uh, writing reports about themselves when they experienced something like a DVT or pulmonary embolism after long air travel. But there were never any uh, any controlled studies, and that was only after the media attention in the UK that, that they started to, to be performed. When you started to look at the problem, what was your approach? Did you think about it in terms of more statistical, epidemiological? Did you think about it in physiological terms? What was your thought process in approaching this? Well, obviously, when we started, we had no idea if there was really a connection because obviously venous thrombosis is, is, is not a rare disease and, and travel is, air travel is very frequent nowadays too. So all those case reports and even this, this case in the UK could, could just have been a coincidence and that they just occurred together. So that was the first thing that we wanted to find out if the risk was increased at all after, after air travel. So, so that was the first aim of the project to define the extent of the risk. And then secondly, to, to find out if that when the risk was indeed in, increased, if there were any uh, high risk groups that we could identify. And uh, furthermore, we were interested, obviously, in the mechanism. If it was just uh, the, 
the cramped position and all those things, or maybe if there was something more in an airplane. Those were the main goals. Let's take the first of that, whether or not there was a connection. What have you found so far in, in your research? The first one that we published was a case control study, and that was uh, published last year. It was uh, part of a, of a large study that we were already doing into lots of different uh, risk factors for, for thrombosis. And uh, it was done in, in, in a couple of thousands of patients and in a couple of thousands of controls. And those were asked more or less by Charles. We, we were at the, that point not really looking into this. But we had asked them if they had been traveling, yes or no. So we had that information. And it was quite easy to, to quickly calculate if the risk was indeed increased. So from, from that study, for the first time, we could find a relative risk of about two, something like that. So that indicated that the risk was twofold increased. And at the same time, other centers also published case control studies, and they also found a similar results. So they were all in the range of a relative risk increase of two to fourfold. In a case control setting, was did that allow you to come to any conclusions about uh, specific groups that were at higher risk? Yes, we did. At that time, we looked at a couple of uh, genetic risk factors. So those were factor 5-lide and a prothrombin mutation that, that in general increased risk uh, for thrombosis. And we looked if, if that was the case as well in, the, in these people who had been traveling, and, and we found that indeed, especially factor 5 Leiden mutation, sort of additionally increased risk. So you could more or less multiply both risks, and so it would be an extra increased in, in people who were flying. So we looked at those people, and also that was quite interesting. We did not have very many data on these people, and, and we could not look at a large number of risk groups, but we did look at height and found that both very tall people and short people uh, had an increased risk. That was something new in normal life. Height has no relation to, to the occurrence of thrombosis. But, yeah, and here it clearly did. And it was, I guess, it was about five times increased or something like that. For tall people, you can sort of imagine that they have extra problems if they, they are even more in, in a cramped position in an airplane, of course. Yeah. And more uh, more vasculature for the problem to happen. Yes, and every, all, the, all your limbs are folded in funny positions. So you can imagine that. But for short people, we were a little bit surprised. And then later on, I, I spoke to people who are actually quite short, and they told me that they're always very uncomfortable in that plane because their feet don't touch. There's extra pressure in the in the back of your knees. And so then that makes sense too, I guess. And, and actually... We found that, again, in, in a separate, completely separate study that was published recent, more recently in Plus Medicine, and it was in a completely different cohort with other people and with another design, but we, in that same study we found exactly the same. So also there we found that shorter people had an increased risk as well as tall people. Very interesting. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Gary Cohn, and I'm speaking today with Dr. Suzanne Kanahider. And we're discussing air travel and venous thrombosis. So, uh, Suzanne, we've talked about a couple of risk factors, the uh, factor V Leiden and the height, both tall and short, to, to our surprise. Any other risk factors that came to light? Yes, uh, we also found that high BMI was, uh, was a risk factor, and that was also described in, in the second epidemiological study. The pill was, I'm now talking about the, not the case control study, but the second part of the right project that we did. That was a, in a cohort study. I haven't yet mentioned that. That was a follow-up study of a cohort of people who, of employees of 
multinationals and large organizations. So all really people who need to fly a lot for their work. And we had a couple of thousand of them. Uh, I think it was almost 9,000. And they were all questioned. And we also asked them if they had thrombosis. And we could link the occurrence of thrombosis to their flight records because we had the database from all the companies. So that way we could exactly calculate the risk after being exposed to a flight as compared to periods that they did not fly. And in that study, so that was a follow-up study, we also confirmed the risks that I just mentioned to you that we earlier found. And we also found an increased risk in, in people who used the pill. Let me ask you this. I know that early on when some of this research was proposed and certainly when some of the papers started to be produced, the industry, or at least some critics of the studies, said that, well, that would be the case of in any kind of long travel, boats or buses or airplanes or trains. Was there any effort, either in your work or in others, to specifically pull out the fact that this is airline travel versus other kinds of travel? Yes, that's true. That's an interesting point. And it hasn't been studied that much. For some reason, air travel is always where it gets more attention. But you're right. In in that first project that I talked about, this case control study, we also asked if people had been driving or or being in a a bus or a a train for, for a long period of time. And in that study, we found the same extent of the risk for being in a car as well. But that has not been studied much by uh, by other groups or other centers. So that uh, has not really been confirmed much. When you started to see your results, both in terms of absolute risk and high-risk groups, were you surprised? You've, you've been interested in this field for a while. Did this fit with your common sense notion of the disease or was it surprising to you or how how did you interpret this? No, it was more or less what I expected and mainly because I thought about the the immobilization situation and and being exposed to this situation for quite a long time. So I wasn't really uh, surprised so much. I, I had expected that more or less. I guess the most final common pathway is that of being sedentary and stasis of blood flow. Is that sort of how you interpret this? Yes, that would be, I guess, the first explanation you, you, you would consider, and that makes sense, obviously, from all the, the knowledge we have. The only new thing that we also found in, in one of the studies that we did into the mechanism, that was the clotting activation that we found during a flight, and it was not present during immobilization. And that was something that did surprise me, really, because, yeah, like you say, we were, we were specu- speculating that it was maybe the immobilization that, that did this trick. But at the same time, there were other centers who had been looking at hypoxia, at the influence of hypoxia, and they put people in hyperbaric chambers and measured clotting activation. And one of the first studies in which that was done was in, in, in Norway by uh, Dr. Benz. They found a clear clotting activation after being exposed to hypoxia. Which is different than, uh, say, ground. Yes. In an airplane, the, the oxygen level is quite low. It's, it's comparable to being high up in the mountains. And so the, the oxygen levels do get quite low, and even, especially when people are sleeping or, or uh, not breathing very well, because they're also because they're in, in a cramped position, I guess, saturation can become very low. So, yeah, it, does, it did make sense to, to look at that. So the sort of the combination of uh, maybe enhanced clotting as well as the sedentary position? Exactly, exactly. So that all those things made us uh, to design this study in which we put volunteers in an airplane, and we flew them around for eight hours and took blood before and after, immediately after uh, arrival again. And we compared that 
to a close situation in which the same people were put in the cinema. <laughs> so the, all the circumstances were exactly the same, apart from being in the air and being on the ground, and uh, also the chairs and all those things, uh, and it's sort of the same sedentary position, like you say. But then the results showed that there was hardly any clotting activation in the in the cinema situation, but in about 15% of the people who were in the airplane, uh, clearly did show signs of an activated clotting system after after the, the air travel situation. So that really indicated that something else was going on in the airplane. Well, that'll give us some pause for thought next time we climb on board going across the Atlantic or Pacific. We've been speaking with Dr. Suzanne Conaheter. We've been discussing air travel and venous thrombosis. Is there a risk? I'm Dr. Gary Cohn, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. To comment or listen to our full library of podcasts, visit us at ReachMD.com. Register with promo code RADIO and receive six months free streaming for your home or office. Thank you for listening.